As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. She was warned. She was given an explanation. Nevertheless, she persisted. Hello and welcome to The Persistence. This is She Who Persisted, the Nazi podcast. My name is Beatrice and I'm here with... Elizabeth. Despite the fact that she has a broken toe. Yes, I fell out of bed. Don't even ask. It's terrible. Um, I, before we, before we talk about anything else, I want to shout out, um, Ina, who we already talked about one time in a podcast because she sent us this lovely, uh, present. She sent us a gift package with like, uh, Norwegian chocolate. Which is, I'm sure amazing. And I'm really super jealous that I am not in Austria to taste it. <laughs> And she also made us, um, I don't know what the English word for it is, but it's like an embroidery hoop thing. Cross stitch. With cross stitch. Mm -hmm. Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Okay. So she made us a cross stitch that says, stay nasty. Um, and thank you so much, Ina, for that. I was so excited when I opened it. It's so, so lovely. <laughs> Yeah. And Ina actually posted recently to the discussion group uh, for the podcast and suggested, um, I believe it was a book and I don't have, I should have actually had this up in front of me when we were talking so that I could, um, so that I could say it. Hold on. Uh, hold on. I'm getting there. The book that she suggested was, So You Want to Talk About Race by uh, Ijioma Oluo. And I'm sure if I said that faster, it would actually sound like the real name. And I'm so terrible with names, both uh, Western and Eastern. So, and, and non-Western. So it's, yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> basically it, anything I, that's not an English name is just a problem. Oh no. Oh no. 
I'm terrible with some English names too. Uh, I have okay. a little bit of dyslexia, and so for me, like oh, I really have okay. to sound it out a lot. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, okay. it's not a lot, but it's like a little bit. So I I will like skip yeah. over letters and I'll switch them, and it's yeah, it's not great. Anyway, okay. uh, so you want to talk about race? Uh, it we've talked a lot about intersectionality on the podcast. That's not our topic today, but. There's also intersectionality with what we're going to talk about today. So uh, if you are interested in talking about intersectionality and learning more about how to be a white ally, check out the book So You Want to Talk About Race. And also join uh, the Facebook group because um, I really think that the idea of like a She Who Persisted book club is like a really good idea. Yes. And um, yeah, so thank you, Ine, for, for trying to start this conversation on our Facebook group. And then also... We need to shout out our first Patreon subscriber, uh, which is also Ina. So she's, I feel like she's our only fan. <laughs> we have other fans, but you know, uh, Ina's like our, our favorite person in the world right now. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Ina. Um, yeah. And if you also want to contribute something to a Patreon, then go to patreon.com slash you persisted and you can support the show there. All right. So... <laughs> What are we going to talk about today? Not broken, not broken toes, something else that hurts. And bleeds a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about periods, um, more precisely period shaming. This is the first episode of a series again. So we are going to do more episodes on the, on the issue of periods because while we researched the topic, I got very excited and I just felt like there needs to be more than one episode to talk about everything that needs to be talked about. So today we are going to start with the topic of period shaming and uh, on the other side of the coin, like period positivity. Um, a lot of what we are talking about today uh, will come up in a later episode on cultural taboos. And a lot of what we talk about today is based on cultural taboos that we are going to discuss in another episode. So just as a side note to that. Um, and I actually would like to start this episode with uh, a quote. Okay, we need to insert some uh, some music in there. While you're reading the quote? While I'm reading like some... I don't know, something romantic. So it should be like well, inspirational music? Inspiration, yeah, like either like meditation music or yeah, like something I can romantic, make that happen. you know? I can make that like happen. Like harps or something, yeah. Yeah. Nice, thank you. Okay. <clears throat> Among the whole range of animated beings, the human female is the only one that has the monthly discharge and in whose womb are found what we term moles. These moles consist of a shapeless mass of flesh devoid of all life and capable of resisting either the edge or the point of the knife. They are movable in the body and obstruct the menstrual discharge. Sometimes, too, they are productive of fatal consequences to the woman in the same manner as a real fetus, while at other times they remain in the body until old age and in some cases, again, they are discharged in consequence of an increased action of the bowels. It would indeed be a difficult matter to find anything which is productive of more marvellous effects than the menstrual discharge, 
On the approach of a woman in this state, must will become sour. Seeds which are touched by her become sterile. Grafts wither away. Garden plants are parched up, and the fruit will fall from the tree beneath which she sits. That's that's amazing. Okay. Her very look, even. Because I would like to make tree fall from the tree when I sit beneath it. I mean, this is amazing. Okay. But it continues. Her very look, even will dim the brightness of mirrors, blunt the edge of steel, and take away the polish from ivory. A swarm of bees, if looked upon by her, will die immediately. That's also amazing. This is why we have this is why we have a hive die off in the in the world right now. Oh yeah. And that's why I said it would be amazing if it would work with wasps, because I hate wasps. And moths, so Oh wasps are bullshit. So we shouldn't, that's kind of bad that we, that we kill all those bees, right? We should kill moths instead and and wasps. Okay. A swarm of bees, if looked upon by her, will die immediately. Brass and iron will instantly become rusty and emit an offensive odor, while dogs, which may have tasted of the matter so discharged, are seized with madness and their bite is venomous and incurable. This discharge, which is productive of such great and singular effects, occurs in women every 30 days, and in a greater degree, every three months. In some individuals, it occurs oftener than once a month, and in others again, it never takes place. Women of this nature, however, are not capable of bearing children, because it is of this substance that the infant is formed. (sighs) What the what the actual fuck? <laughs> I mean, it was in ancient Rome, and it was Pliny the Elder, and it was written in uh, about AD uh, seventy seven to seventy nine in his um, in natural history. So it's a long time ago. You know what's sad though? It's like a long time ago, but is it really? No, because even though we don't believe the period blood maddens dogs anymore and makes iron rusty, well, if you soak in it for long enough, but that's another story. Um, this is the mindset where our culture's period shaming and period tabooization, if that's a word, comes from. And for example, the Old Testament states that anyone who touches a woman on her period will be unclean until evening. Bishop Theodore of Canterbury, which was 690 AD, took this one step further and forbade menstruating women from even visiting church. And did you know that in ancient Persia, women were separated from the communities when they were on the period, and then they were given four days to menstruate, and if they weren't finished by the fifth day, they were punished with whiplashes. So, yeah. Okay, sure. I mean, the novel The Red Tent has a description of this, although the author, Anita Diamant, did not find any evidence that women uh, in that period of history, like ancient Persia, um, mm-hmm. but in ancient Iraq and Israel, used like a menstrual tent. Uh, her research did reveal, though, that menstrual tents and huts are uh, were a common feature in pre-modern cultures around the world, from yeah. like Native Americans to Africans. And her description of these, what happened to these tents is entirely fictional, but it paints a picture of these tents as sources of women's empowerment. Uh, which is yeah. a revisionist version of you're an unclean and filthy person and you don't deserve to be around yeah. normal people. Yeah, ours is certainly not the only patriarchal society that has a problem with this very natural process that happens to half of the population every month. 
we will, as I said, we will go into detail on all of this menstrual hearts thing and like the whole issue of women being excluded from society while the women while they were menstruating and then also excluded from certain um, aspects of life because they menstruated in our next episode. Um, so we will talk about uh, why men thought or think they, that menstruation is scary, why they were so taboo, what the differences are between those taboos in different cultures and what we can do against it. Today, we want to talk about period shame and shaming Yeah, nowadays and in the West, so in our societies. Um, and I want to, before we start talking about it, just get it out of the way. Fuck that shit, right? Because our bodies are not disgusting or wrong and impure for menstruating. Quite on the contrary. And if you are someone who doesn't menstruate and you have a problem with your periods and think that they are icky, just fucking deal with it and just fuck off with your whole body because that also produces fluids. And those are not stigmatized because this is apparently male supremacy land or something. So yeah, exactly. Like the fact that you produce semen and it comes out of your body and that's pretty like, it's not, it's not appetizing and it's doesn't smell great and it's not fantastic. And you produce that shit all the time. What like five <laughs> days of the month or longer or shorter, like blood and and tissue and whatever come out of my, out of my body come out of other individuals bodies and that's a normal thing and there's nothing i can do about it so deal with it i mean bodies do things yes bodies yes. bodies bodies that live do things produce yes. things just that's a fact of life to deal with it. Absolutely. And we also want to make sure that you know that when we're talking about people who menstruate, that we're not just talking about cis women, but also transgender and non-gender non-conforming people who menstruate. And though a lot yeah. of the things that we'll talk about maybe specifically reference women, and this is probably um, in a lot of the research that we are are talking about, they are specifically looking at cis women. We, we personally don't want anyone to feel like we're excluding anyone who has a period. Like this... A yeah, period yeah. is a period is a period. It doesn't matter who has it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. <sighs> okay. So if the whole quote from Pliny the Elder didn't depress you enough already, we're going to talk about what's going on at the moment. So a survey conducted, it's not quite current, but a survey conducted in 1981, um, which to me is still uh the present because I was born in 1987. So anything that's anything that's after 1980 for me is now. <laughs> But okay. So a survey conducted in 1981 showed that a substantial majority of US adults and adolescents believe that it is socially unacceptable to discuss menstruation, especially in mixed company. Many believe that it is unacceptable to discuss menstruation even within the family. And studies in the early 1980s also showed that nearly all girls in the United States believe that girls should not talk about menstruation with boys, while more than one third of girls did not believe it appropriate to discuss menstruation with their father. Oh, Jesus. Well, yeah. I mean, their dads come from a different time period where they definitely didn't talk about periods. And so that kind yeah. of cultural uh, lack of discussion, lack of conversation, I can see that leading to, especially in the 80s, but even now, people not wanting to talk about periods with their dads, especially, you know, you're a teenager, you're already kind of feeling weird about your body and the changes it's going through, especially if you are, you know, 
female embodied and when male bodied too like it's uh, teen years are an awkward time uh, and people mm. don't want to talk about the changes that are happening to them but we need to talk about it mm. bustle has published a couple of articles about period shaming and how pervasive it is in our society and why you shouldn't be afraid of, ashamed of your period and one thing that they mentioned that we should be doing to end period shaming is talking about it and I feel like that's yeah. what we do with a lot of things on our pa- podcast. We talk about things that we need to talk about, but don't talk about enough. So here we are talking about periods. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually researching this episode while I was on my period oh, and on like a bunch of pain meds. So it was kind of ironic that I was researching period shame while I'm on the period. Yes. I just wanted to throw this in there. <laughs> just as a side note. Yes. And one of the things that their articles point to as things that we might not see as period shaming, but that really are, is freaking out over leaks. And we'll talk about this a little oh, bit God, more, yeah. Um, yeah. both in this episode and in the episode on um, the tampon tax. But one of the first kind of real periods that I had in junior high school was a surprise. Because one of the mm-hmm. things that they don't talk to you about with periods is that like they don't come like a perfect period like with blood and everything the first time you have it it's like it it gradually i mean you we anybody who's had a period knows that like the first like real legit period that you have like is is different from what's kind of led up to it anyway the first real one i had came surprise midday i was in junior high school i was in seventh grade uh, it had a massive leak. It was a disaster. And as a 12-year-old, oh God, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. it was just about the worst thing that could happen to me, in part because I didn't know how many of my friends had gotten their periods because it wasn't something that we talked about. And instead of being okay with like a blood spot on the back of my skirt, which is, you know, you're self-conscious as a 12-year-old anyway. If I had spilled something on myself, I would have been like freaked out about it. But uh, I wrapped a sweater or maybe a jean jacket around my waist and tried to cover it up. And then I ran to the bathroom and tried to turn toilet paper into like a makeshift pad. Mm. Um, but there are women yeah. these days who are breaking free from feeling like they need to freak out about their periods and freak out yes. about leaks. Yeah, because everyone at this point should know that, we- that women or people in female bodies bleed once a month. And it's just something that happens. Yeah. And sometimes, you know... Sometimes it just happens. So, um, for example, in 2015, Kira Gandhi ran the London Marathon on her period. And she, what happened is she um, got her period while she was running. And then she just chose to continue running because what else is she going to do, right? You mean as an elite runner, she didn't feel like she needed to take the day off because she was having her period? <laughs> no, and also she didn't take a break to put in a tampon so that others don't see that she's on a period. She just let it flow, you know, because, you know, I mean, she could, she basically had two choices. She could have stopped running and she, she and she could just let it flow. And that's what she did. And she actually uh, read an article on the independent, uh, the code UK, where she talks about this experience and about also the reactions that she got, uh, because a lot of people were very irritated by this. Um, uh, and it's actually, I found it really interesting how I reacted to those images because there are, um, images on the web and I'm going to put that on Instagram so you can have a look at it while you, while you're watching this. But there are a few images of her with like uh, blood soaked pants, basically, or her running gear. Uh, and it's so funny because at the end you see her with her, um, what's the word, medallion? 
uh, medal. Yeah, in the end, you can see her with her medal and orangey pants with like uh, the dark period stain. And that's something we don't see, right? In in it's just something that doesn't happen because women are supposed to hide their periods. And in the article that she wrote, she so I'm not going to read everything. But uh, she also talks about period secrecy and period taboo. Uh, she says, our culture, quote, our culture tells uh, them, as in women, to hide their monthly flow, despite the fact that the ways to clean it up are either unsustainable or unaffordable. Even women who are able to use pieces of cloth to absorb blood don't always have private places at school or at work to change them out. As a result, they choose skipping school or work as a better, less shameful alternative. So that's something we will also talk about in another episode uh, where we will discuss the whole issue of period poverty and like taxation of menstrual products. And then she continues to say, if women continue not to participate in public sphere, uh, in public spheres of life in the developing world, they will continually put at an economic disadvantage. Secrecy prevents real change by hampering the ability to vocalize innovative solutions. Periods are here to stay, and our generation has the power to put this conversation on the map today in order to blow through stigma. Let's open up a world of new possibilities for women everywhere. So she also connected her experience then with the experience of women in, for example, developing countries and um, kind of made a political statement out of it. And she says that um, in mile one, um, quote, I got my flow the night before the London Marathon and it was extremely painful. It was going th uh, to be my first marathon and I remember already feeling so nervous about it. I had spent a full year training hard, but I never actually practiced running on my period. Uh, I went through my options. Running 26.2 miles with a wad of cotton material wedged between my legs just seemed so absurd. Plus they say chaffing can be a real problem. I honestly didn't know what to do. I knew that I was so lucky to have access to sanitary products and to be part of a society that at least treats periods with a degree of normality. I could definitely choose to participate in this norm at the expense of my own comfort and to deal with it quietly. But then I thought, if there's one person society can F with, it's a marathon runner. You can't tell a marathon runner to clean, to clean themselves up or to prioritize the comfort of others over theirs. On the marathon course, I could choose whether or not I wanted to participate in the status quo of shaming. I decided to just take some middle, 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 hope I wouldn't cramp, bleed freely and just run. A marathon in itself is a centuries old symbolic act. Why not use it as a means to draw light to my sisters who don't have access to tampons and despite cramping and pain, hide it away like it doesn't exist. Yeah. And then I will put like I will post the, the, the link in the show notes and I will post the pictures on Instagram. But it's I found that really fascinating. And also in one of my reactions to it was that I also found it very brave, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't you don't want to fetishize it in a way like, oh, you're so brave for like doing that. But it is. I mean, it, the the mm -hmm. the notion of letting your period be a visual symbol of what you're going through, both the like pain of going through the marathon, but also as a woman, you know, that is something mm -hmm. that we uh, we point to as bravery, on you know, for better or worse in our society. Yeah. Because I know that if I realize that I might be leaking, um, it's something I'm automatically 
ashamed of, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, when you feel it and you are like, oh, crap, do I have tampons with me? Do I have a pad with me? Uh, are there yeah. going to be tampons or pads in the bathroom? Like, am I going to have to like wad up toilet paper to pretend like I, you know, until I can get to a place yeah. where I can get pads or tampons? Like the the mental like gymnastics that you have to go through when you start feeling mm-hmm. that you're leaking. So as like, you don't ruin your clothes, you don't like all of yeah. these various things. Yeah. And so I, this is why I said I find it brave because I don't think I, I don't know if I could do this, you know, Mm -hmm. especially not this publicly because like there were pictures of her everywhere with her period stains. And this is something that as women, we've been conditioned to feel ashamed for, you know? Well, and a lot of the pictures that were being shown of her were shaming. I mean, they were trying to shame her Mm -hmm. for not putting in a tampon or not wearing a pad when she had her period. I mean, like yeah. she turned that narrative around and reclaimed which it for amazing. herself, yeah. which is, which yeah. is really amazing. But like yeah. the media around it was definitely trying to shame her. Yes, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And then another woman who posted a picture of herself on her period on Instagram with like, um, it's basically a picture of her lying on a bed with a gray, with gray trousers and like a tiny Actually, it's a very tiny period stain on her trousers. Um, that was Rupi Kaur in Rupi. Is it? How do you pronounce the name correctly? Uh, you're, you're really you're asking me how to pronounce the name. I'm correctly? asking you. <laughs> I would say Rupi like, Kaur. 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 Yeah, Rupi Kaur. 2015. Yeah. She posted this picture on her Instagram. You might know her because she's like a very well known uh, at this point um, poet, mm-hmm. and she posts a lot of. Uh, uh, also po- poems on Instagram and she also posted a picture of her lying on a bed with trousers with a period stain and Instagram decided to ban the picture stating it's against community standards and there was a huge outcry. I mean is it that women experiencing normal bodily functions are against their community standards? I don't know. I don't know if they if, if they've explained I don't know if they explained that any further. Because, I mean, it's not like she was... I mean, they, look, Instagram has also, like, banned, banned and, and blocked people when they are showing their nipple when they're breastfeeding. So, like, yeah. you know, yeah, 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 don't, yeah. don't get me started about Instagram's bullshit. But, yeah. um, I mean, it's not like she's showing herself in... Like, she's not showing her vagina. She's not showing herself, like doing anything she's just no. lying on a bed and has a period stain on her pants and a stain on the on the sheets yeah i'll post it on instagram to you so you can see it so there's there's really nothing um obscene or anything about this picture it's just just a stain on trousers so yeah but the thing is um despite the fact that instagram banned it which is of course bullshit um people were really angry about this um of course rupee has a huge instagram follow following so that's also one of the reasons why this uh gained so much like outcry and there were why there was so such a shitstorm against instagram because of this but then instagram actually corrected it and now you can see the the picture on instagram on, on her instagram again so um yeah i i thought that was a, an interesting cultural moment also well when the other thing is what i think is fascinating about this picture is that it is a very it's almost a very intimate moment that every woman Mm -hmm. has experienced yeah like every person that every person who has a period has experienced like 
being yeah. in, like being in bed, you, you you know, having a leak wh- while you sleep overnight, whatever, um, and having to having blood on your sheets and blood on your your you know night clothes uh, when you wake up in the morning. Yeah. Like this is something that every person who has a period has experienced. Yeah. Um, I already told you that I researched this while I was on my period and actually last time when I was on my period, I had like so much blood on my, on my bed, like on my bed, um, what's it called? Bed, um, sheet, on my bed sheets, bed sheeting, beds, sheets, sheets on my sheets. Thank you. And I, while I washed them out, I was thinking, and I posted this on Facebook, I had lots of blood stains on my sheets and I, while I was washing them out um and i like i i usually have a very heavy flow so i need to do this every month and like when i'm on a period i need to do it every day or every second day and it's fucking annoying because if you don't wash out blood immediately then it just there's no way to get it out again so you have to wash it out immediately with cold water and it was like why isn't there a washing machine that can do that for me you know oh god i need a wash washing machine with like a period blood program or you know the detergent that you can put on it that like you know like when when they have advertisements for stain sticks and stuff like that it's usually for yeah. if you spill something on yourself those things are far more yeah. useful if you have your period and you're not going to wash your you know you're not going to do a load of laundry that day yeah. and you just put that on there and it gets out blood stains because here's the thing when they really i have i haven't found anything that actually works for period blood like nothing. Well, I don't, I don't know that they, if they created something like that, it would be amazing. Okay. That's what you mean. Uh, okay. But yeah. all of the advertisements that they have for like gets out blood stains, they always talk about it in terms of like little boys in sports. But yes. really, the only people who care about seriously getting out blood stains are women who are trying to get menstrual bl- or people who are trying to get menstrual blood out of their underwear and sheets. And serial killers. And serial. Well, Yes, seriously. <laughs> but I understand why they are not addressed by ads. I j- oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. So serial killers probably should not be addressed. Women and people who menstruate probably should be addressed in ads. Because, because we're the ones buying the detergent most of the mm. time anyway. Well, that's true. Okay. But anyway. then an- another thing. Anyway, <laughs> on to other delightful things. So also in 2015, um, the current sitting president of the United States, Cheeto Jesus, uh, attacked Megyn Kelly by saying she had blood coming out of her, whatever. I don't know. I mean, you probably, especially the people in the US listening to this, know what I'm talking about. So there was an interview on Fox News, I think. It uh, was, um, it wasn't an interview on Fox News. It was the debates. Um, oh, so Megyn okay. Kelly was, was doing the moderating for the, one of the debates between, um, Trump and uh, Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. And afterward, because she pushed him so hard on a few Mm -hmm. of the topics, he said that she was basically a nasty woman and that she (laughs) was like really angry and she had blood like coming out of her eyes, coming out of her whatever. Whatever. Yeah. So and we, of course, could all fill in the, the blank and guess what he's trying to say what he's trying to say is she's so angry because she's hormonal and on her period and this is something we are not going to talk about now the fact that it's the actual president of the actual united states that said something like that (laughs) let's just leave that aside and just talk about the cultural um 
stereotype that he refers to because it's still very common to shame women for the periods a big, and it's very common to devalue women as a whole because they menstruate you know now the idea usually is not that they are impure uh, or that they uh, make dogs crazy but uh, as Pliny the Elder said but that they are hormonal or that they cannot be trusted because once a month they have this thing happening to them that we are scared of and we just need to think about the discussion about women who run for important political offices. Like one thing that always comes up is the idea that women are not able to be rational leaders because they menstruate once a month, and menstruation has these crazy effects on the menstrual and uh, on the menstrual on the mental and cognitive abilities. So, on the one hand, women are shamed while they're on the periods, but on the other hand, they're also shamed as a whole. Like women as a whole are shamed for the fact that they menstruate once a month Mm -hmm. and because of that of their reproductive capabilities because of their menstruation they are not to be trusted and so women's feelings and thoughts are often devalued too because they menstruate so this idea that you can choke about a woman's anger for example uh, that you don't have to take her seriously because she might just be on a period and that's the reason for her anger it's not that you were an asshole that the world is a fucked up misogynistic place no it's because she's PMSing or whatever, you know? So there is this idea that we don't have to take women seriously and consider their thoughts and feelings because they are just hormonal. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the other things that I saw in, in one of the bustle articles was that, um, you know, this is another form of, of period shaming, attributing Mm -hmm. women's emotion to their periods. Do Mm -hmm. hormones affect people's emotions? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Is that something that happens to men, women, trans, uh, cis, and genderqueer, whatever? Yeah. Is it sexist bullshit to attribute any show of emotion, power, etc. to women in bleeding? Absolutely. (laughs) So the Bustle article mentioned several studies that claim that there is actually little evidence that there is a significant connection between women's cycles and worsening moods. Apparently, only about half of the studies on menstruation and moods have found any connection at all, and only 17% have found that a mood worsens right before your period, according to meta-analysis in the journal um, Gender Medicine. Moreover, when a connection has been found, it's not necessarily something negative. One study in the journal Hormones and Behavior found that people can actually be more empathetic during their periods. So women have more empathy or people who have periods have more empathy during their periods. Yeah, yeah. As I already said, I get very heavy periods and I also usually have very heavy PMS. So I'm in a lot of pain, mostly physical, but then also psychological. Mm -hmm. And I'm also someone who has chronic depression. And I always realize that before I get my period, it gets so much worse. So I know that the my, the hormones in my body <laughs> affect my mood but that doesn't yes. mean that um the moods i have while i'm on pms or while i'm on my period are just created by my period do you know what i mean because sometimes it's yes. just a moment when i feel those feelings more intensely yes, yes. um and then can deal with them also more effectively. You know what I mean? So if I'm angry at someone and I'm more angry when I'm on my period, that just means that I need to think about why I'm angry. It doesn't mean that I'm angry because I'm on my period. You know, it's not yeah. like the, the source of the emotion. It may it might change the emotion a bit. It might uh, it might make it 
it might exacerbate it. Is that the right word? It might intensify. It might intensify it. Yeah. One of the things that the that I I mean, and I'm I am not a scientist. I am a yeah. doctor of philosophy. Um, but uh, <laughs> as a person who has periods and who has yeah. experienced these changes in in, in emotions uh, and the intensity of my emotions because mm-hmm. of the hormones, it's not that my mood gets any worse. It's that the emotions that I feel are more intense. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think it can be different for different people, obviously, yes. but I just yes. wanted to say, um, because I know that recently there's a lot of studies coming out that say there's very little connection here, but then that doesn't mean that we need to necessarily disregard the experiences of people who go through that and who feel, say like, wait a minute, I know that my hormones affect my mental health and also my, uh, feelings, even if it's yes. not like, you know, you know, yeah. So no, and I think that I think that saying that a study says that there is uh, is no connection or less, uh, not a significant connection, mm. doesn't mean that for some people there isn't a connection. Yeah, um, it just means that there over over many studies there's a not a st- statistically significant connection that they see yeah. based on the results of those studies. But every single person is different. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And it definitely is not a reason to just devalue women as a whole. No. And, it, and, and even people who do have changes to their emotions because of the hormones of their period, it's not a reason to devalue them as individuals either. It's not a reason that they can't be president, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes. Maybe they would be better presidents because they are more empathetic once a month. Well, Look, I mean, the the only reason that we were willing to even consider having Hillary Clinton as a president is because she was probably postmenopausal and, uh, you know, was already already in, in menopause, which meant that, like, she couldn't possibly be affected by her periods anymore. <laughs> and now you've got a president who is clearly a pathological narcissist <laughs> and is affected by his hormones 30 to 31 days a month. So congratulations. You know, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Gloria Steinem pointed out in the essay, If Men Could Menstruate, uh, that cis women actually have the hormone levels most similar to cis men at the beginning of their periods. So think about that. Oh, interesting. Uh, <laughs> like, just, just th- think about that. So she quotes, mm-hmm. why isn't it logical to say in those few days that women behave the most like the way men behave all month long? So it's not that women behave irrationally during those days. It's that women behave more like men during those days. Hmm. Oh. Which makes okay. men feel very uncomfortable. Yeah, but that's a good, I didn't know that. And that's like a good point to make when you're in a conversation about this topic. Yeah. I mean, the question is, is this always the case? Does it, you know, yes, it, of is course. it statistically significant? Blah, blah, blah. But I, I thought it was a fun quotation and a fun way to think yeah. about it. Like if, yeah, yeah, if yeah, yeah. cis women are acting like cis men during their periods, then maybe the men are reacting to women, these cis women being too much like men. And mm. that makes them uncomfortable. <laughs> um, so finally, it, Christina Van Vuren wrote a really evocative article connecting period shaming and slut shaming. Basically, they both rely on secrecy and victim blaming. Van Vuren states, quote, the degrading language used around menstruation and sexuality is often very similar, and many times undue correlations are drawn. For example, if a girl has a late period, she may be called out by her friends for being promiscuous. 
when in reality, many girls don't have consistent periods for the first two years after starting their period, and late periods can be caused by stress, change in diet, and other health factors. Mm. This, this kind of shaming is taught by the media, by parents, and most importantly, by uh, the refusal of society as a whole to allow girls' autonomy over their own bodies. And then from a personal perspective, Van Vuren argues that, quote, if I had not been made to feel like my period was repulsive, horrible, a repulsive, horrible secret that happened to my body each month, and that my feelings were less than valid if I was menstruating, I wouldn't have felt that sex was something I should also hide, or that my feelings when I had sex weren't as valid because, after all, I asked for it. Mm. So, like, this idea that women are not valid, their emotions are not valid, they as people are not valid when they're having their period is really also very much connected with this idea of um, shame and and stigma and secrecy and victim blaming. Mm-hmm. And this is something in our, in our later episode on uh, cultural taboos, we will come back to this idea that menstruation kind of becomes also in other contexts and on other levels, uh, kind of a metaphor for why women cannot be trusted. So in our culture, it's mostly the because they're hormonal argument in other cultures and at other times it often was this she's impure she's unclean thing and because she menstruates she's unclean as a person not just during the that four five six seven whatever days a month but Mm -hmm. just her as a person um so and it's something that still is around i think yeah yeah so despite all of the cultural stigma what are what about our own period so what how do you feel about your period liz Um, that's a great question. I went through a period of like a year and a half when I had really irregular periods and this was Mm -hmm. recently and I was very concerned that I was going through early menopause. Um, I would love to go through menopause just to it, not no, have no, to have a menopause period sucks too because you get hot flashes because I was getting hot flashes and my periods were coming like every two weeks and, uh, it was miserable. And so mm. I, I, you know, my period is something that I am happy to have right now. I don't have the cramps that I, I used to have when I was younger. Um, it's a, it's interesting to think about the way that my period has progressed over the, the years of having it. I started mm-hmm. having my period when I was 12. Oh, yeah. Um, and it starts out as like just kind of brown discharge. It's basically like dried blood yeah. in your discharge. Yeah. You don't really know what it was, what it is. Yeah. Uh, because when they describe, I mean, in Austria, you do you get classes on on like you don't get classes on sexual education right uh we do get classes in reproductive biology in our biology classes and we get some quote unquote sex ed in our religion courses which is basically uh it's it's not good (laughs) i'm not gonna go into detail on that now but so how, how do they give you information about periods I think I didn't get any th- any information from my school. I got it from my mom. Um, okay. So we yeah. we had to they separated the boys and the girls and okay. we watched these really old vi- uh not not videos, films, real to real films 
about periods and and sanitary products, etc. Mm-hmm. And uh, the stuff they were describing was not even stuff that existed anymore. Like the the films were so old. Like uh, you know, menstrual belts where they you would wear an additional belt what? that would hold the pad because the pad didn't used to be sticky on the bottom. <gasps> and so they would have like a belt that would attach to the pad that you would wear under your underwear. God, okay. In a yeah. So but by the time we were doing it, like pads had had sticky strips on the bottom so it didn't matter you're not Um, that old i'm not that old no (laughs) um (laughs) but um but when i started to have my period i didn't know what it was like i thought something was wrong with me because they just describe it as blood they don't describe what the first few are like that they're not just like full bloody periods yeah and so my mother knew what it was and my mother like one day suddenly in my closet there were just pads (laughs) Okay. Like we didn't talk about it, but okay. I was like, oh, that's what this is. Okay. Yeah. And we just never, we just never discussed it. Like suddenly in my, in my bedroom, in my closet, like appeared pads. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. <laughs> in my, like in my, in my family, it was never a taboo really. Um, also, you know, because I just grew up with three sisters and there was my mom and it was just a thing that happened every month and it's, it wasn't a big thing. Sure. Um, but when I got my period for the first time, I was 10 years old. So nobody expected me to get my period at this age. I didn't expect to get my period at this age. And when I, so the month before I got my period, I didn't have any discharge, but I just had the cramping and the pain mm-hmm. and nobody knew what was going on <laughs> and I actually went to hospital. And oh, no. Yeah, because nobody, nobody thought that I was going to get my period at the age of 10 and I never had it before. So everybody was like, what's wrong with her? Like I was just a child in pain. And then they took me to the hospital and I had to stay there, I think, for two days and they didn't find anything. And they assumed there was something wrong with my, um, is it appendix? Like the, um, yes, yeah, they thought there was something wrong with that. Um, they didn't know what was wrong. So I just, um, and then I, I, they, they came up with a diagnosis. (laughs) I didn't know exactly what it was anymore, but I couldn't, um, they told me that I shouldn't participate in sports class at school for like uh, a week. I don't know why there was some there was some diagnosis that they came up with, which of course was bullshit. Because a week a, a month later, I had the exact same pain again, and all of a sudden I was bleeding, and I knew what was going on. But so my first kind of experience with this was kind of traumatic because I went to the hospital for it because nobody sure. knew what was going on. Yeah, so this is my first period, but I never. Um, I always experience it as something extremely uncomfortable. I hate my period uh, because I just I'm in so much pain every month. And I remember it's it's better now than it was when I was a teenager. When I was a teenager, mm-hmm. I always had w- at least one, sometimes the first two days where I could not go to school. Um, mm-hmm. And when I went to school and then got my period, I had I got such bad cramps that I could do nothing but lay down. And I also had other types of symptoms. I always had horrible back pain, horrible headache, uh, and I always felt so sick. Um, like I always spent the first day vomiting. <laughs> Um, I couldn't eat anything. I was just, and it was, I was so miserable physically. Like it's the worst pain that I know. I used to get a lot of really bad cramps like that. Uh, I don't really get them anymore. Yeah. Thank 
knock on wood, thank, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Yeah. it would be, you know, I did ballet as a, as a kid and as a teenager. And so it was often the first couple of days was very, like I was doubled over in pain. I tried to explain it to a boyfriend at the time that it felt like someone had taken pliers and was like ripping my insides out. Like it was just very uncomfortable. And I I haven't really had any pain like that in, in a long time. Um, but uh, I know what that's like and it's, yeah. it's awful. I had such bad pain that I was just, all I could do is lie down and I had like cold sweat mm-hmm. <laughs> and I couldn't even say anything anymore because it was so painful. And then there was usually a point where I was so tired from all the pain that I just fell asleep. Mm-hmm. So that was usually the first day of my period. Um, and then what people told me <laughs> to calm me down was yeah I, I also got very bad periods when I was young but it all gets better once you have children and I was always like no thank you fuck off thank I'm you. not having kids yeah so I'm gonna be in pain forever <laughs> everything I just feel like everything around menstruation and around periods is always connected with childbirth yeah and your ability to have children, you know, it, it marks the beginning of your ability to have children. The yeah. end of it is you know, the end of your ability to have children. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I just like, it's, it's all bound up in your worth as a, a your cultural worth as a woman, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. that if you can menstruate, then you are still a worthy woman because you could mm-hmm. potentially still have children. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Worthy. But then on the other hand, worthy for very limited talk like very in a very limited sense worthy because you cannot be trusted worthy for limited things and the like the fact that you're having a period at all makes you stigmatized so you are your only societal worth as a breeder comes from having children but the fact that you have uh, your period once a month makes you unclean and you know uh, sets you up to be shamed by society it's just Mm. so you can't win. No. And that's actually another thing that I wanted to talk about with you is that both of us uh, don't have children. We don't want children. Um, how do you feel about your period in connection to that? Because in preparation for this, I also listened to an episode by Stuff Mom Never Told You uh, about uh, period shame. And the one of the hosts talks about uh, her period and how she doesn't really like it because it's very painful and very uncomfortable. Um, but then that she kind of feels like she's okay with putting up with this because it's kind of the price she pays for having children and one day she'll have children and that's why it's fine. And I'm, I always felt about like when, when every time I'm on my period, I'm like, this is fucking horrible. And I, there's no point to this because I will never have children. So I would like to just get rid of like, just take everything, just take my uterus, take my ovaries, just, just take everything out. Like that would be my, there are plenty of people who have elective uh, hysterectomies. They don't yeah. have any um, uh, actual, I mean, they have, they might have fibroids, they might have endometriosis, any number of things, but there yeah. are, there are plenty of women who have uh, elective um, hysterectomies or who have hysterectomies because they have, they have issues. Uh, mm-hmm. In a lot of those cases, and I had a friend who's my age, 40 ish. Uh, who had a hysterectomy because she had, uh, I believe they were fibroids and 
that everybody, every woman who she encountered in healthcare along the way, uh, you know, was like, oh, well, you're so young. You could still have kids. Yeah. Are you sure you want to do this? And she was like, I don't want children. Like, I shouldn't have to justify my medical decisions because, uh, you know, you think that it's a shame that I'm not going to have kids or pass on my genes mm-hmm. or whatever. I don't want to do that. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean... If you want it, I mean, I don't know whether they would do it in Austria, but you could probably have a hysterectomy and be totally okay. And then you would start going through menopause. But menopause leads to a whole nother painful, like, list of things, like hot flashes. You feel constantly hot and sweaty. And, um, yeah, it's miserable. But did you ever have this, like, do you, (coughs) when you're on a period, do you ever feel like this is, like, why am I going through this? This is completely pointless. Uh, yeah. I I mean, I would Mm -hmm. say I definitely do, but uh, there's nothing, I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. Like it is what Mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. 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 Cause I, this is also the problem that I have with like, cause I like the period positive movement. Um, I like working on the cult, like working against the cultural shame against periods. But then on the other hand, I find it very like culturally, yes, but I find it very hard to feel positive about my period on a very personal level because I think everything about it is horrible. (laughs) Yeah, sure. If yeah. if you don't want to have kids and I mean which I don't either and then the mm. period just is a, a constant reminder that like yeah, again, I'm not interested in having kids and yet there's this thing that's happening to my body that is like uh, yeah. just a reminder that I It just I'm feels a very unfair. Potential too. breeder. Yeah. Yeah. To me I always feel I, I always feel like it's very unfair that I have to go through this every month, so yeah. But then on the other hand, also like concerning the, like apart from the fact that I personally feel very negative about my period, I always, um, even as a teenager, kind of f- felt very um, like stubborn and defiant about the fact that I was supposed to be ashamed of my period. So because I had so bad periods, I was absent a lot in school. Mm. And usually when girls in my class couldn't go to school, you have to write like absence notes like that your parents mm-hmm. sign where you state why you weren't there. And usually girls used to write like stomach flu or like whatever. Mm-hmm. You just because you don't want to say that you're on your period. And that always um, I was like I kind of made a point that I always wrote down like menstruation, like menstruationsbeschwerden, like menstruation problems or what, yeah. what do you call it? Yeah. So. So that's the one thing. And then I had a a teacher who was like um, asking me about it one day. He was like, yeah, but he was like, you need to go to a doctor because it can't, it's not possible that you have those problems like every month and stuff like that. So, yeah. And then he's probably the same dude who also says that women don't actually experience that much pain in childbirth. So (laughs) did you experience that? I mean, I, I have, there is a fantastic, I, I think a lot of men don't think that women experience that much pain during uh, yeah. childbirth, that it's not that painful, that contractions are not that terrible, etc. Et mm-hmm. uh, there's a great YouTube video of dudes being hooked up to, um, I know I've seen tens that. units yeah. to, yeah. uh, mimic the feelings of contractions. Mm-hmm. It's great. Mm. And then also, um, I think a lot of men don't believe how painful periods can be too. Uh, And then in recent years, there were a lot of studies that kind of came out and that stated things like it can be as painful as a heart attack. So Mm -hmm. yeah, but then 
one thing that I also do and that I still do and that I always did, and I do this in a very like defiant way also, because I've always felt an omission about like my period, uh, as in I need to, I, I, I'm, I refuse to be shamed for it or ashamed of it. Um, and I remember like one guy in my class who was like, who, who told me that when I was a teenager who, in, in high school, he told me that, um, he's kind of put off by the fact that I always like, that I always say when I'm in pain that I'm like, that I have period pain. Um, cause he was like, you don't, you cannot talk about this, you know, you don't, it's nothing that you, t- you can talk about to me. Cause like, I don't know why. Yeah. So so I've always been like on a mission to normalize the topic and I talk about it with everyone always. Also, I complain about my period pain so much to everyone. Um, and their reactions are very telling because uh, even people who are very, usually very open-minded and liberal, sometimes are very weirded out by the fact that I'm not saying I'm sick because I have a stomach flu. But when I say like, I'm just having period pain, mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, Oh, (laughs) well, I mean, the more we normalize it by talking about it and telling people exactly why we're experiencing pain and and what's going on, the, you know, the less shame there will be that, you know, the the more normal, quote unquote, normal it becomes. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about period positivity. Bustle has a great article with eight reasons why you shouldn't be ashamed of your period. Uh, They, they start out with the fact that number one, Periods are normal. You're not weird for having one. And even if they weren't common, people shouldn't be assholes. I think (laughs) I added that last part in. Number two, people don't know how their bodies work. See the lack of sex ed in a lot of, uh, a lot of places and books and movies like Carrie, um, where she doesn't know anything about her period and she has it and she thinks that she's just unclean. Um, you know, books, teen books like Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, were the way that a lot of girls in the U.S. found out that things about their body were not weird Um, Mm -hmm. and not through their parents, not through school. It was like a secret book that got handed from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. It was this book work of fiction that was a girl writing in her diary explaining these weird things that were happening to her body and Mm -hmm. seeing that there was somebody else there who was having this experience made you feel less alone. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know, we're doing a bad job educating our kids if they don't know how their bodies work. So it's okay. Men should, number three, men should know about periods. See previous reasons why men should know about periods, about periods, but people need to know how bodies work and menstruation, menstruation isn't awful. And we need to be okay with period sex. If you want to have period sex, have period sex. If you don't want to have period sex, don't have period sex, but you shouldn't be shamed for it. And you should have that, be able to have that conversation with your partner without him feeling, him or her feeling like skeeved out by it. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked to a porn actress a few months ago uh, for the Business Riot Festival. We did the uh, Riot Radio for that. I don't know if mm-hmm. you've, if you, our listener, have listened to that. But, um, and th- for that, I interviewed, or we interviewed a porn actress and she talked about, uh, period period blood in pornography because it's Mm -hmm. also something that's not present in a lot of mainstream pornography so maybe i will make an like a a special episode out of that or something um 
yeah. a, a special minisode out of that and and upload it for our listeners because it's really interesting. It's just something that came to my mind when we talked about period sex right there. Also in like our sexual media, it's not really, it's not normalized at all. No, not at all. Not mm-hmm. at all. Um, so number four, tracking and being aware of your period can be a good indicator of health. So if you know that your period is normally 27 and a half days, which is what mine was in high school. It would come in the morning on some one month and then the next month it would come in the evening. So it was exactly 27 and a half days Mm. Uh, and it comes late or early. It can be an indicator of stress. It can be an indicator of being sick um, Mm. of other problems with your body. So, you know, tracking it and being aware of it um, is a a really good way to also be more in tune with what's going on with your body. Mm. Uh, When I did... um, natural family planning classes with my husband when we got married because we were required to do that because I was we got just going to ask Catholic why? church. <laughs> mm, um, okay. I know one mm. of the things that they had us do is to track the like mucus yeah, uh, yeah. that my body produces. And so it, it can be a really great way of judging when your body is fertile. Um, and it's a really great way to, to know when to have sex if you want to have children. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, is so interesting to see how your temperature rises, your temperature falls uh, during certain time periods, what the mucus is like, all of these types of things that we don't talk about because nobody yes. wants to talk about yeah. vaginal mucus. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually um, a really good indicator of what's going on yes, with your body. Yes, 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 yes. It's a good indicator uh, if you want to get pregnant or if you don't want to get pregnant so you know you can use that extra condom. Yes. Like use a second condom on top of the first one. Yes. (laughs) For example. Um, Reason number five why you shouldn't be ashamed of your period. You are not pregnant. Yes. (laughs) That's the only good thing about it in my book. (laughs) Um, Number six, your period should not be invalidating. Your body is doing what it does naturally. Own it. Um, Mm. Number seven, your body is not something to be ashamed of. See all the various things that we have talked about. Yes. Um, And number eight, uh, women lack access to menstrual supplies. So this is, um, you should not be ashamed of your period. There are women who don't have access to menstrual supplies who, who, and if this is going back to the discussion that we had about the marathon runner, you know, one of the reasons she was, she was kind of flipped the script about it was to bring attention to women who don't have, um, have access. Mm-hmm. Only 12% of girls and women have access to sanitary products around the world. And mm-hmm. I, I assume that the, this, this quotation is coming from, um, the article and I'm assuming they're talking about cisgendered girls and women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, 10% of African girls don't go to school while menstruating. And in Bangladesh, 73% of female factory workers have to take almost a week off of work without pay every month due to their periods. If we can't be proud of our periods, we are promoting a culture that keeps girls out of school and women's out of work without pay. Mm-hmm. So if we can own our periods, uh, then maybe we can, you know, have a ripple effect that other mm-hmm. people can be okay with their periods and other yeah. people can like not feel like they have to not go to school. You know, cramps are one thing, but just feeling shame for having your period at all. Um, that's a whole nother mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. Kind of the, the core of period shaming a lot of times is the fact that, um, women's bodies produce liquids, uh, and it's kind of this abject, uh, 
substance of period blood that is a coded disgusting and um, just taboo in our society. And in 1970, German Greer, who wrote the female eunuch, how do you pronounce that? The female e eunuch? Eunuch. Mm-hmm. Okay, the female eunuch. Um, and in there, she talks about tasting your own period blood. She, she writes, quote, If you think you are emancipated, you might consider the idea of tasting your own menstrual blood. If it makes you sick, you've got a long way to go, baby. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, talking about period blood, there are women and there are so many examples for this. And I'm just going to name a few. A few who paint with the period blood and one just to normalize it. And also as a kind of, I think as an intentional affront to kind of patriarchal society that deems period blood abject and disgusting. And one very famous example is Sarah Levy, who made a portrait of Trump with her period blood. And I'm going to put that on Instagram too, because it's worthwhile to look at. And she did that in response to his remarks about Megyn Kelly She said, quote, that he thinks he can bring up the healthy functioning of women's reproductive systems to insult women's intelligence is a big problem that I think needs to be called out, unquote. Another example is Jen Lewis, who is a conceptual artist, and she launched a macro photography project, Beauty in Blood, in 2015. And again, I will put the link to her homepage in the show notes or to, to the webpage where she presents uh, her, her, um, her project. And I will also post a few pictures on Instagram. I really like her stuff. So just check that out. Again, there's a long, long list of women doing art with period blood. Do you remember the, the woman who put the wool in her vagina and did no. knitting from vaginal um, wool? No, I don't think yeah, I've heard Yeah, I think her that. name was Casey Jenkins. Uh, the mm -hmm. work was called Casting Off My Womb. And she put uh, the wool inside her um, inside her vagina and uh, then knitted from it. And it was part of it was with period blood um, and the rest of it. So it was very okay, interesting. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. I'm going to find a picture of that and also put it on, on Instagram um, for our listeners to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there are lots and lots of women who make art out of period blood to normalize it, uh, to uh, work against the shame and the taboo surrounding it. But period positivity doesn't necessarily mean that you have to eat your period blood or draw with it. Uh, it's basically just about normalizing menstruation altogether. And earlier we also used to word or the term period pride and my first reaction to the term period pride was that it sounds a little weird in that context because why should you be proud about something that just happens to you without you doing anything about it or for it or against it uh, and again it's also difficult for a woman who has a very complex relationship to her own menstruation because it's just something that I experienced to be very painful um, but I look at it the way that I look at terms like gay pride. So there is nothing inherently proud about being gay or bisexual or whatever. It's just what you are. It's what your sexuality is. But we live in a culture in which it's something that people are relentlessly shamed for. So pride means that we take that back from our patriarchal culture and refuse to be mm -hmm. shamed for something that's natural and refuse to be to hide it, etc. I feel like period positivity is having, having a moment. Um, I already mentioned uh, the two instances above with Kira Gandhi and Rupi Kaur, where two women were shamed for the period and then fought back and turned it into a huge positive moment and also kind of a, into a movement, you know. 
Um, but there are, of course, numerous um, uh, c- companies and organizations and like projects that work for period positivity against period shaming and period shame, period, period taboos. And one of that is the Period Positive Project by Chella Quint. Uh, and it's mostly about how shame is used to sell period products. Um, and I found a few interesting images that I will also post on our Instagram. And one of those that I found was um, a picture. It's like a cartoonish drawing. And it's like a, a package of sanit- sanitary like pads. And we are used uh, to uh, pads being sold with words like discreet and scented and blah, 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 blah. And um, this one <laughs> says unscented, natural, indiscreet, always blessed because you bleed, sanity towels, contains moon beans. And then on its side, it says, tell him to get over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I found a very interesting uh, TED talk by her that I will also uh, put in the show notes. And what Chella Quinn says on her periodpositive.com homepage is this quote, it's time to educate ourselves and others on shame-free menstruation talk and break the cycle of secrecy, fear, and misinformation about menstruation that leads to negative consequences like period poverty. We need to seriously question the message and the messengers using words like whisper, discreet, secret, hidden, and sanitary when talking about periods because it discourages people about getting support for reproductive health issues. Privacy is one thing. You don't need to shout about your period, but you can if you want to. Setting your own personal boundaries about what comes out of your body and when are your choice and your business. Some people make it their business out of telling people to keep period secret. From sending branded lesson plans and free samples to schools and repeating the same old tropes from 90 years ago to following old school menstruation management models, it needs to change. And then it says support hashtag period positive and find out how to educate yourself and others so we can make this happen in 2018. And um, on her homepage, she actually has a lot of, uh, they also do like projects in schools and they also have a lot of uh, material for um basically teachers so they fight for period positive schools and good menstruation education in schools and you find research and teaching materials for teachers and i know some of our listeners are teachers so check that out and one of the things they also have is like this chart that tells you how period positive that you are i will also post it on <laughs> instagram and basically ask how often and how much you talk about your menstruation and then whom you talk about it to and then you can find out how period positive you are in the TED Talk by Chella Quint, uh, she talks about the history of period products. And she says that actually it started in the US at least in 1920. Uh, there was a surplus of bandages as a result of the war. And that basically was the start of menstrual hygiene products because they didn't know what to do with those bandages. And then they were like, wait a minute, we've got like 50% of our population that bleeds every month. So just sell it to those people, you know? They'll um, buy it. They buy everything. Yeah. <laughs> they, they love shopping. Just make it pink and sell it. Um, and the first 
ad for period products in the US was in 1926, and it used words like terror, horror, and incident. Uh, incident as in uh, leaking Uh, and then 1936 there was an ad that sold the um, menstrual hygiene products with quote end accident panic so basically they create the problem and then sell something to solve it because why should we have accident panic well they basically tell us that leaking is an accident and that we should panic about it but they have something to sell us against it Sure. If you create a like fake uh, emergency, then you can sell something to yeah. prevent that from happening. Yeah. yeah. And leakage horror is still used in advertising. Uh, menstrual hygiene products are still used, are still sold with embarrassment about periods. Mm-hmm. The ads are still about quote unquote stain horror, about shaming, about embarrassment, embarrassment. There is this idea that you have to hide your period. You even have to hide the shape of your pad if you're wearing like, uh, like uh, very like tiny trousers or something. You have to hide that you're wearing a pad. You you're not allowed to leak. And then Cheryl Quill says the only thing that is shameful about period products is that they are disposable products that fill landfills. But no other convenience product is advertised with shame. So no other convenience product, she says, is advertised with discreet so you have to buy a shape you have to be ashamed even when you mm-hmm. buy period products and she tells this story that i don't know when i forgot about this but i think in the 70s but i'm not sure about it um pads used to be sold in like brown paper packages and they were new oh, relabeled like yeah and it was kind of pointless because everyone knew what was in there anyways. But, you know, it was kind of obvious that you need to, that it's something dirty and you have to be ashamed that you buy it. And you that, know what's funny about that? In the musical, The Sound of Music, mm-hmm. and you'll appreciate this because you're in Austria and Sound of Music is so like a fake much. Austrian thing. Like all Austrians love Sound of Music. I know. We've they never don't. even seen it. You know, whatever. <laughs> anyway, there the, in one of the songs, it says brown paper packages tied up with string. These are a few of my favorite things. If we, uh-huh. <laughs> if, if the, we think about menstrual hygiene products being tied up in brown paper packages tied with string, then maybe they're talking about menstrual Maybe. Pads. Maybe Probably the whole, not, but maybe, I like the idea of that. Maybe, maybe Sound of Music is a metaphor for menstruation. <laughs> maybe. Think, think about it. Think about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll post a link to Chella Quinn's uh, TED Talk also in the show notes. You can watch it again. It's really, it's really interesting. Um, and she makes a lot of great points. And she points at a lot of things that I didn't even think about. Um, so it's really cool. One thing that ads for menstruation menstrual hygiene products also do is this thing with the blue liquid in their ads because period blood is still considered obscene and thus perpetuating the idea that it's still obscene um so yeah but that's an old story anyways everybody makes jokes about the blue blood right yeah but not only that a lot of ads in the u.s in the 70s and 80s showed women wearing white and frolicking in fields of flowers or on the beach So it'd be like a a single woman or maybe a group of women, but usually a single woman wearing like tight white pants and like a white shirt, like running through a field of flowers while she was having her period, supposedly. And the idea was like, oh, well, our our products are so good that you could wear white and like run around and it would be fine. Um, So but it became like such a running joke in the U.S. uh, Mm and that like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go like run in a field wearing white. 
Um, yeah. I mean, the ads have gotten better in terms of representing doing, women doing sports, wearing actual sports clothes and women talking about actual period pain, kind of, not really. Uh, but the blue liquid is still the norm, both with women's periods and with baby diapers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Baby diapers. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm going to jump back a bit to what I said about the the brownish packaging, uh, the discreet, discreet back packaging of period uh, products, because one like, and this is also kind of a personal uh, question that I have is how do boyfriends and male partners react when you ask them to take a pack of pads or tampons with them when they go shopping? What, ex- what experiences do you have with that? Um, I don't have any experience with it because I do, uh, I mean, I buy my own stuff. So mm. um, I, I've i never asked my husband mm. to go pick them up for me because I buy my own stuff. Mm. Um, but uh, I know that there are a lot of pop culture references to men having to do mm-hmm. this. Uh, and often they get to the period, the like menstrual product aisle. And it's like so overwhelming because it's yeah. so much. Um which is There's bullshit. A, yeah, it's bullshit. But you know, whatever. If you tell them I want this, the problem is like every woman has their own products. And we'll talk about this more in the in the yeah. next episode about um the tampon tax and, mm-hmm. and pads and tampons and etc. But um every woman likes what they like. And so, you know, really a dude would have to take like a picture of the package to know like what exactly the the style, you know, the the brand and the thickness and the blah and the blah blah mm-hmm, blah. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean, I don't think men should get bonus points when no. they do buy them. I mean, seriously, if if I can buy condoms or even shampoo or any other necessity for a man, then he can buy something that's a necessity for me. I mean, I don't think that that would be uh, a, no. an issue. No, not should at all. be an issue. Um, nope. there's a movie called 10 inch hero where the main character and there's, it's been like a graphic that's been going around on the internet. I saw the other day, uh, where the main character's caught quote unquote buying tampons for his girlfriend and he's mocked by two dudes in the convenience store. <laughs> uh, uh, and he goes off on a bit of a rant about how the fact that he's buying tampons means that there's a woman with whom he's so intimate that they're both comfortable with him buying her most intimate mm. possessions, which like, I mean, are tampons really my intimate possessions? Like, no. <laughs> my most but, valued, like, intimate yeah, like, exactly. treasure. But he goes on to say that their relationship is so solid and so trusting that he's not embarrassed doing it at all, which is great. And if he were up to left it there, like, that would have been great. But then he mocks the other guys saying that it's a sign that he's getting laid, which yeah. I'm not really okay with the last part of the speech, but the idea that neither men yeah. or women should feel ashamed to buy menstrual hygiene products since they are part of normal body function, I'm totally on board with that. Yeah. Yeah, also, I mean, like you, I also buy my own shit, but sometimes in the past it happened a few times um especially when i'm on my period and when i have like really bad cramps and cannot leave the house and i just need pads and my mm-hmm. ex-boyfriend used to go shopping anyways and i sometimes ask him to like take a pack pack of pads with him yeah and he had such an issue with it he was always like i feel so uncomfortable buying pads and i was like why so this is why I asked because it's just something that also came up in my personal life and I just think it's completely ridiculous and I just find it, I don't know, like, yeah. No, I agree. I mean, it, should it be something that is a big deal? No. Is it no. a big deal for a yeah. lot of guys? Yeah. Absolutely. But this goes back to like, we should be talking about this. We should be having conversations yeah. about this to make it less of like a weird thing for everybody. Yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. Because if I would have told him to get, I don't know, a package of whatever, chocolate, he doesn't have an issue with that. Or he didn't have an issue with that. But it's just about the fact that uh, menstruation is such a taboo. Also a period necessity. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Uh, A life necessity. Yes. Um, So I already talked about Chella Quinn's project, Period Positivity. Another very interesting company is an Austrian company that I like very much. Um, So if you speak German and listening to this, uh, if you speak German and are listening to this, then I suggest you go to their homepage. They're called Erdbeerwoche. It's www.erdbeerwoche.com. Which translates to Strawberry Week. Yeah. Strawberry fields forever. And it's an Austrian social business. They sell environmentally friendly hygiene products, such as like reusable organic pads, menstrual cups and organic tampons, organic pads. So, yeah, it's also it's not just environmentally friendly, but also like uh, making sure that the things you put into your body are uh, not toxic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they also... um, do a lot of awareness raising work. So they did a project that's called Ready for Red, which is a project for better menstrual education, which I said is a huge problem in Austria, I think. And the end result of the project was an online learning platform. And they created that online learning platform on the basis of a survey amongst Austrian teenagers between the ages of, I think, 11 and 18. And you can find that at readyforred.at. It's, so it's ready for red. And you can find like a wealth of information there, videos, material about menstruation, and it's aimed at teenagers. And also, again, this is particularly interesting for those among you who speak German, who have kids or are teachers in Austria, Germany, or even German teachers in English speaking countries, because it's an opportunity to talk about um, an important subject in your language classes, too. Yeah, absolutely. uh, Look, I I talk about a lot of stuff that is not necessarily... German per se, but normal things that students need to be able to have a conversation about once they are in a German speaking country. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can't, you know, if you don't know how to ask where the menstrual products are at the local drogerie, then like you might be out of luck. So let's find a way to bring this into the classroom too, so that this becomes normalized. Uh, and there are also a number of interesting Instagram accounts who are period positive. Uh, and one <laughs> that I really like is called, and it's not just an Instagram page, it's also a, a web page, is Tony the Tampon. Uh, and it's basically, it's uh, it's from the US, uh, an Instagram page from the, or a project from the US. And it's a tampon that basically travels the world. And there are like a lot of like creative and funny photos. There's a lot of updates, facts and info uh, concerning topics like menstruation, tampon tax, and also transgender activism. So that's really cool. It's called Tony the Tampon. And there is a Viennese uh, photographer who does an Instagram account that is called Menstruation Period. Again, it's yeah an account that tries to normalize menstruation, basically. Uh, and then for those who speak... German again. I can also recommend the face the Instagram accounts uh, Die Menstruationsbeauftragte. Again, it's an Instagram account where you can find a lot of quotes and info and illustrations around uh, surrounding the topic of menstruation. Uh, and then 
And that's not specifically related to menstruation, but then also kind of a circle of artists that call themselves Collective Chimere, and they do feminist street art in Vienna. And their main topic is vulvas. So they do a lot of street work surrounding that. But then also, of course, sometimes they talk about menstruation. So again, I will post links to those Instagram accounts in our show notes so you can have a look. Uh, but there are, there's like, there's a plethora of like Instagram accounts and web pages about period positivity at the moment. So there's probably a whole a lot more that we didn't talk about now. I'm sure there is. And that's why this is going to be a series of episodes because yeah. let's talk about this and make it normal. Yeah. So that it's not r- the red menace anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so right. stay tuned for some episodes in the future about yeah. uh, tampons and uh, menstrual products and the tampon tax, uh, other cultural taboos, uh, and possibly some other stuff that we haven't even thought of yet. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Then uh, don't be ashamed of your bodies. Tell everyone who tries to shame you for them to fuck the fuck off. And and stay stay nasty. nasty. Bye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.